en een hartelike goeie morgen. Welkom by ons program Skriftierik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte vir vraag waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17:17, I woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na I woord. En Psalm 119:105 sê, I woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Gee jou geloof vleels, ontdek die lewe saam met 657 AM. 657 AM, dis waar jy ingeskakel is, hartelike goeiemorgen, dis een nat goeiemorgen, hier van het Kjelnerpark, 42 Jakobestraat en uh, vorig, om weer eens die woord saam met jou te deurgrawe, te deursoek, te ondersoek, handelinge 17.11 sê, dis goed om te luister, na paste Rocky, na Weiland, na Radio Kansel, jou pastoor, jou dominee, jou man, jou vrou, jou kinders, maar daarmee kom een verantwoordelijkheid in dat ek en jy die skrifte moet ondersoek, iemand het gister vir my gevra, waar staan dit, dat ek die skrifte moet onderzoek, dit staan in handelinge 17.11. So, in hierdie program, as jy dalke vraag het, baie welkom om het vir ons te WhatsApp 082-6527-2729 Net so kantlijn opmerking, dan jy dan ook die skrifgedeelte bysit, wat moendelike onduidelikheid voorzaak, sê dit by jou WhatsApp, stier het vir ons dier, en in die loop van die program, dan pak ons het aan, ons graven saam met jou dier die skrifte, en kan ek vir jou vraag, as jy net een toehoorder is vanmorgen, van hier die program, of jy nie specifiek wil bid vir pastoor Rocky nie, dat uh, ons baie keer as mense radiostatie te bel, en sê ons, soek jy ons opinie, of soek jy die woord van die Heere, sy opinie, soek jy Godse opinie, en die uitdagings wat ons in hierdie lewe het, en sonder uitsondering, sê amal altyd, ek soek Godse opinie, daarom is het belangrijk, dat wat ons deel met jou nie vlees is, nie mag gees, en dit kom dier gebed en afhankelijkheid voor die aangezicht van die Heere, kan ek jou vraag om te bid vir ons, hier in die atelier, you can hear that deep booming voice there in the background, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, good morning to you sir, how are you keeping? Morning Bainant, very well, thank you, and so good to be here. Also a joy to have my son Levi with. It's a rainy day and usually he has sport on a Tuesday, but he was very glad that sport was cancelled so he could come ah, with to so Radio Pulpit. You want to meet young Levi? You can see him on YouTube channel at the moment. You can see him on Facebook. He's sitting right next to his dad. Train um, them up while they are young. We see beweeg die boompies so lang jonkers en daar sit die jong blonde kop Levi reg langs sy pa. Right, so what do you do? You send in a WhatsApp. Oh wait to six five seven two seven two nine. As you can hear, we live on Facebook and we live on YouTube at the moment. You're always welcome to refer back to the program. Oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. Can you believe it? Somebody phoned me in me in studio here. So uh, you can always uh, refer back to that program. Oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine, and uh, help spread the good news. Luke ten two say, "Great the harvest, few the harvest field workers." Let's start with it. It's nine after eleven. We're only here till twelve o'clock. We had a question from somebody by the name of Vili that says. Is it biblical for Christian couples 
to choose not to have any children, considering how wicked the world is. Funnily enough, uh, he's making a very clear reference to Christian couples. I was watching uh, some TV program the other night where this uh, couple... Uh, who, uh, who, let me just put it this way. They simply discuss the fact that they do not want children because it's not fair to bring them into this world. What does the Bible say? What do we say to Christian couples? And perhaps there's a, a couple listening this morning who says, yeah, we battle with the same thing. What does the Word of God say, Rocky? Yeah, quite a, quite a simple answer is just simply no, that it is not biblical for a Christian couple to choose to not have children solely based on the wickedness of the world. The Bible emphasizes the importance of marriage and also the procreation as part of God's design for humanity. As the creator of us, as people, we need to submit ourselves as the creature underneath the creator. And we need to go back to the Bible to say, what does the Bible say about this? And we have the creation ordinance of God's command in Genesis 1 verse 28, where God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, we know that that command was extended to all of Adam and Eve's offspring, and we are Adam and Eve's offspring. There's actually only one human race. There's no, there's not really races. We one human race, and we stem from Adam and Eve. And he did the same thing after Noah. And Noah's day, he blessed Noah again, and he said, "Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth." So he reiterated that after the flood. And that command is not limited to their time, but it is a principle applicable to all generations of mankind. And God's intention for humanity is to populate the earth through the institution of marriage. That is God's intention. Now, secondly, I would say that godly parenting is part of what the Bible also upholds for us. Throughout the Bible, there's numerous instances where godly parenting played a role in shaping shaping the future of the world. And so in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it instructs us saying, Train up a child according to his way. You mentioned it, Nana, regarding Levi next to me. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Godly parents raise children in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord, and that contributes to the righteousness as well as the morality of an upright society. So if we really are burdened with the wickedness of the world that is around us, one of the biblical ways to actually answer that is to have children and to raise those children in a godly way. One of the things that we also see in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit who abides within the believer is part of God's restraining of wickedness in our world. And so therefore, the Christian worldview should be, I ought to have children and even adopt children so that I might might make an impact on this world and raise godly children that can submit themselves to mom and dad because what is right, it's right for for a child to honor their mother and their father, then they will live long in the land that that the Lord has given them. And this is right. This is what God intends. But as you raise a child that is submissive to mom and dad, you raise a good citizen of a country. You raise somebody who's going to be upstanding. You raise somebody that's going to work hard. You're going to raise somebody that's going to be a good employer or a good employee. You're raising somebody that is going to make an impact on this world. And for all you know, the next Billy Graham. Exactly. And so children are also a blessing. And this is something that I think Vaynant is so pertinent in our day. And and maybe it's a good um, possible show for something like Brandpunt at some point. But it does seem that many Christians today think 
that that these things are in their hands and that they can just do it themselves yeah, and they yeah. can kind of you know go against what god's design was yeah. and and they don't really believe god and they don't really believe that his that his word is right when yeah. it comes to what it says regarding children listen to psalm 127 verse 3 to 5 it says behold children are an inheritance of yahweh the fruit of the womb is a reward like an arrow in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with enemies in the gate. The Bible tells us that children are a blessing, yet so many, even Christians today, seem to behave as though children are not a blessing. You know, I find um, my wife's pregnant at the moment um, with, with our third little boy, and Lord willing, she will have baby in December. And the Lord has been merciful to us. That's been going really well. But you have people make comments like, oh, well, now the family's complete. (laughs) (laughs) You know, okay, you've got three now. Just stop. You know, the three's enough. You know, come on now. And there's almost this attitude like children are not a blessing. And I think it's because we've just grown so selfish yeah. as individuals. Yeah. We we like, oh, well, they, they cost so much. Do they really cost that much? You know, or do we make them cost that much because we need to buy the newest pram or the newest stuff? And we've got this mentality of hedonism and materialism and narcissism where we, we, we're the center of our own universe. And, and I don't want to have my sleep interrupted. Yeah. And and we, we carry that attitude into the way that we do church and the way that we are as Christians, that children are this pain almost. I, I mean, bless God that we, we have um, a, a number of babies in our congregation. And while I was beginning to preach on Sunday, now we're doing renovations at church. And so we don't have our sound equipment working at the moment. And it's actually so lovely. I mean, we print out our words for the singing and um, we have such a joyous time as a body of believers. And one of the babies was busy crying. And I just said to the congregation, praise God that we've got a baby that's crying inside, of the, sound, inside yeah. of the congregation. That yeah. is a, such a blessing that we have this little one that's there. Yeah. And and that's how it ought to be celebrated amongst Christians. And I, I'm sad to to witness a world that does not celebrate children and they have the same behavior that the disciples had with the Lord Jesus. Remember yeah. that behavior? No, no, no. Our yeah. Lord's too, yeah. too he's, busy. He's busy now. He's busy yeah. now and he's and it's and we do the same thing sometimes even inside of church. And, and Jesus to, proved the point there, didn't he? He did. You know, bring the little children to yeah. me. Don't hinder the little children from yeah. coming. And sometimes we do that even in Christian churches where we like, no, we've got to keep the kids away from the yeah. adults and keep No, not at all. One of the things Levi was saying to me this morning about coming, he said, I'm excited to come because it trains me to sit for church because I need to sit quietly while you and Uncle Vainant are busy on with radio pulpit. And and that's something that a child got gets even from the youth. But there's a worldview change that we need to have. And I do think that some of the selfishness, if we look at Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4, it encourages believers to consider others' interests above their own interests. And even when it comes to child rearing and raising up children, there's an area where parents need to not be selfish in regard to raising up children. And I do think that a lot of the time we've accepted a spirit of selfishness in a sense uh, amongst Christians even, where there's like, no, well, we first need to get our career done. We first need to um, have a couple of years as a husband and wife first. We first need to visit the places we want to visit in the world. And and, and now people are more and more at a much older rate actually having children in the first place. And then by the time their grandchildren are born, they're almost on their deathbed. Um, And 
And I do think that, that it's gone a bit wacky in a sense in the ways that we think of this. But also right. we ought to hope and trust in God. You know, um, Psalm 37 verse 3 to 5 has become such a favorite of mine. It says, trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in Yahweh, and he will give you the desires of your Beautiful. heart. Yeah. What a wonderful yeah. passage. Rocky, I want to step out on slippery ice here and bear with me. But having young Levi here, uh, maybe just to continue on the topic of having children, uh, something that we need to be aware of. There are certain conversations we are not to have in front of our kids. Uh, you agree with it? Is that scriptural? Uh, yeah. Um, I think what advice would you give there? At what age can we allow them to sit in and talk about the difficult stuff? How do you feel about that? Yeah, what I, is the I, word I, of God? Yeah, I, I think that as as we rear and train our children, the parents are responsible for what their children do here. Yeah. Even as a as a congregation at Benoni Bible Church, we see our position as the church to come alongside the parents who yeah. are the main the main people responsible. Of course, there are certain things that our children's ears are sensitive towards. And I think as a husband and a wife, you need to be sensitive towards what do you speak about in the presence of your children. And I do think that there is a discernment that we should seek to have. And of course, um, however, let me say as a however, our children are going to hear these things as they grow up. And now that's not an excuse for them to hear bad things no, and I to agree. hear foul language or to yeah. hear uh, things that they should not hear in their ears. Yeah. But I do think that we ought to have a wisdom with when and how we speak to our children. And what we speak about in front we, of them. And what we even speak yeah. about in front of them. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the, the Bible is um, is very honest. You yeah. know, and, and I do think that there's a reason that the Bible was written. Not uh, It's not a graphic novel. Uh, it's not a picture novel. It's not something that is a comic book. And I think that that is in God's providence and in his kindness because we read about some very difficult things. And I think that we need to stick to what the scripture teaches. For example, yeah. I touched on on Sunday night. I was looking at um, um, First First Timothy 3 verse 3 about the overseer not being a drunkard or not being not. Uh, it actually says not addicted to wine. Yeah. Um, and in that section, I gave the illustration of somebody like Noah who who planted the vineyard and got drunk on the wine. And then somebody like Lot who actually fathered children with his daughters Terrible, because of being yeah. under the influence of alcohol. Now, there's yeah. children that are present when I'm preaching and yeah. they're hearing these things. And it's good for them to see. But this is what the Bible speaks about. Yeah. And the Bible actually teaches us that it's that that alcohol has the possibility of causing somebody to not even know what they did. Yeah. And yeah. and to actually be so out of their mind and then to look at and see we're called to be people that are in our mind and we're also called to be filled with the Spirit of God. And for a child even to see, but there's certain things in this world that actually take a person over. And then there's the Holy Spirit of God who ought to be the one that has his hands over us and he's the one that we need to be following and serving all of our life. So I do think that there are areas that we do need to be more honest when our children are present so that they hear these things from God's word and God's word is wonderful and God's word is able to be taught to our children and that's what Israel was meant to do with the yeah. you know Deuteronomy 6 they were meant to speak about God's word at the table while they were on the way while they were at work 
And that's, yeah. and that's something that we strive to implement. And um, I mean, yes, Levi with me, he hears this yeah. as we sit at the table. He hears these conversations. But we need to also be those that put through that filter of what we see in Philippians, yeah. which anything that is right, anything that is holy, anything that yeah. is beautiful, Speaking anything that is commendable. Things. These are the ways that we meant to be speaking. But I also think uh, and maybe as another area of this or another lane of this is that parents need to be quick to also ask forgiveness of their children mm. where they've spoken in ways that they shouldn't have yeah. and they need to be able to be quick to repent been when there, there's been done that. and to yeah. be sensitive regarding what is it that we've spoken about and it's a hard thing you know and right? um, because you have nothing to be ashamed of as yeah. parents if you're speaking in ways that are upbuilding and that are ways that are building up the church of christ but I think if a parent is busy gossiping or a parent is busy lying or a parent is busy boasting or a parent yeah. is busy doing things with their mouth and speaking in ways that are ungodly, yeah. then a parent ought to be ashamed of themselves. Or in a moment in of regard. anger. And, or anger and, in that yeah. way. And, and that's an area where we need to be very sensitive to yeah. listening and saying, but, but how are we training our children? And you actually see this with some children, and we've seen this even in our lives and in our congregation. You'll see the ways that some of the children behave as a result of the things that they hear their parents behave. It's they'll come true. to church and they'll be like, no, we're not allowed to play with uh, these children at church. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because the parents have said something about yeah, that. Yeah. And, and, and it's horrid that where you see a child starting to even be ugly towards other children based on what their parents are saying about other pe- people or etc. And so our children are very moldable. You know, many yeah. a times, I mean, we've got a number of teachers in our church and they'll be able to tell you they can see if a home life is going well with the way yeah. that a child is behaving at school in that sense. And so I do think that there's, there's much wisdom in, in seeking the Lord's help with regard to this. And I would even say that it's healthy for our children to see mom and dad disagreeing in a way that is honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're not of that opinion that if there's any disagreement between my wife and I, that we will go to the bedroom and our children never hear it. Because our children are going to have wives one day, Lord willing. Yeah. I mean, our boys, we, we're praying for their wives already. Yeah. And they need to know how can they have a biblical argument that is not going to dishonor Christ and not yeah. dishonor the wife or dishonor the husband. And mm. um, how does that work? And not, we're going to have disagreements. Mm. And th- that's not unbiblical. But what is unbiblical is sinful conflict. And what is the difference between a disagreement and a sinful conflict? And our children need to be able to see that. They need to be able to see dad being sensitive to mom. They need to be able to see mom being submissive to dad. They need to be able to see the respect that there is amongst mom and dad. They need to be able to see also when dad has sinned, son, please forgive me. Uh, Wife, please forgive me. When mom has sinned, son, please forgive me. Mm. A husband, please forgive me. They need to grow in that, that type of an environment, which is there's no better thing than uh, a husband and wife that mm. love Jesus um, to teach children Christian theology. I heard a father the other day saying to his son, his son asked him what's the greatest lesson he's learned in his married life. And so he said, son, you know, your mom and I agree that whenever we have a disagreement, even in front of you, we would uh, just take a quick break. I would go out into the garden and uh, just cool down and think on what has been said and then come back later. And uh, so he said to his son, and guess what? I've learned to be grow fond of nature and gardens. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Oh, wait, two, six, five, seven, two, seven, two, nine. Nalag twee. Six, five, seven, twee, seven, twee, negen. Stier vir ons jou vraag, dear, as jy vraag het, uit die skrifteit, wat jy graag wil hee, ons moet onderzoek. Stier het vir ons, dear, en dis ons voorrecht dan om hierdie vraag aan te pak. 
Something you hear often, Rocky, uh, somebody said, I know the guy at the back of the queue and I know the guy in front of the queue. I'm not sure what happened to the guys in the middle of the queue. We're talking about evolution. We're talking about evolution, the baboon at the back and the human in front. I'm not sure where the crowd in the middle is. Somebody said, I think, Ria, uh, I do not believe in all this evolution theories. Uh, how am I to answer questions about it? What, what, can this one be answered in such a short space of time? Yeah, uh, look, I think it's commendable, Ria, that that you are discerning about the the theory of evolution. And it's important, even in the way that you um, you mentioned this question, you said, I don't believe in all this evolution theory. And it is, it's a theory. It has never been something that has never been proven. proven. Yet sadly, this has ended up in many of our textbooks and it's been spoken about almost as though it's a proven no duh. This is obviously the way that things came about from some big bang. But when we address something like this and questions like this, it's crucial to also rely on, on a solid biblical foundation. And that's how you would answer questions about this that are asked of you. I, I do think that at times when we're asked questions that know that our enemies want to stump us with the questions that they ask. We should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us, but learn from our Lord Jesus as well. Many times when he was asked a question, he didn't actually answer it directly. He would ask another question in response, or he would talk about something else in response. Nobody can control how you're going to speak. Only you can, and the Lord Jesus, by his Holy Spirit within you. And you can ask the Holy Spirit even in that time for help. I'm reminded even as I speak about what happened with Nehemiah when he's asked by the king, why are you sad? Artaxerxes, I believe it was. Um, I think it is Artaxerxes that asked him, yes. And um, and he, he prayed to God, and he answered the king. And yeah. there's times that we have those moments where people ask us something, and we just like, how do I even answer this? Where well, you can just shoot up a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, please help, because I'm your servant. I belong to you. My mouth is yours. My heart is yours. My life is yours. And I want to use my life for your glory. So please help me. And we often do that. I'm sure you've done that so many times, Vainant, yeah. and I've done that many times, even on a, a program like Skriftilik or Brunpant or, you know, where you're just shooting up a prayer saying, Lord, please help. I have no idea what to say to this question. So that would be one of my answers is pray to the Lord of, of having a word that is in season. You're also wanting to glorify the Lord with what you say, not glorify yourself. And we don't have to have all the answers to all of the questions. We know the one who has all the answers to all of the questions, the Lord Jesus. So we mustn't be afraid to say, I don't actually know quite well how to answer that, but can I get back to you? And um, that's, I think, a humble way to respond when you get asked a question that you are stumped by. And then to go and look, and there's some marvelous resources for us, and not just obviously in the Word of God. That is our first place that we must go and we must be, we must, as you mentioned it earlier, we must be those that have searched the Scriptures, that be able to, and God's Word has everything we need for life and for godliness. There are secret things that belong to the Lord, but the, he's revealed so much to us in his word. And so we must go and study his word because then we can answer by his word. And when we answer by God's word, uh, one of the marvelous realities is, is we're giving God's word. We're not giving our word. We, we're saying what God says about it. Then if somebody has a problem with that, they don't have a problem with Vainant or Rocky or whoever's given the answer take to this question. The Lord. They actually they can take it up with the Lord because yeah. they've gone against what his word is, has said. So we must know and we must be rooted in what we believe scripturally. So you would go and study a passage like Genesis 1 verse 1. I was going to ask Levi what Genesis is about, but he doesn't have a microphone in front of him. It's about beginnings. Okay, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
That's Genesis 1 verse 1. And when you're rooted in what the Bible says about this, then when somebody asks you something, you can just answer with what the Scripture says. And that's also what our Lord Jesus did. Remember what he did when he was tempted by the evil one in the wilderness. He said, God said. It is the written. The word said. You know, the, the word is said. It is written. And he goes back to the Scriptures the whole time. And that is the way he answered Satan when Satan was attacking him. How much more than when we have a human being that gives us a question on evolution? Well, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Ah, but your God, oh, maybe he used evolution. Well, he actually said day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and on the seventh day he rested. You know, so, um, oh, but no, that word, ah, oh, la, la, no. <laughs> No, this is what God has said in, his, in, in the Bible. And our Lord Jesus goes and he speaks about the days of creation. So are you disagreeing with Jesus? Was Jesus not, uh, not knowing these? When you know your, the Bible, you're able to actually give answers from the Bible. But then also just being, having a critical evaluation of evolution as well. Because the evolution theory, even as we've spoken about a bit, it really rests on an atheistic assumption. That's where this comes from. It's an atheistic assumption that says there is no God. And therefore, because there is no God, that is the presupposition that somebody came with. with, That's what Darwin did. And Darwin came up with the evolutionary theory. Because there's no God, we've got to explain creation in some way that is outside of God. Okay, Big Bang. So we now explain Big Bang. And now these lies that you've started with have to have other lies that build up that lie. And so when you're thinking through that, I mean, Romans 1 verse 20 states, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Our Bible tells us that even an unbeliever in their heart of hearts actually know when they look around them, there's a creator. But the fool says in his heart, there is no God. <laughs> and so, 14, yeah. so the fool goes, I've got to explain this away. And why? It's because they love sin mm. and they don't want to give up sin. And therefore, they've got to give up a creator. Because if there's no creator, then there's no order. And if there's no order, then there's no consequences. And if there's no consequences, then I can do what I want to do. And so the root issue, really, of the evolution theory is that selfish pride and that desire to keep doing my sin. And I don't want my sin to be taken away from me. It's that same attitude that a baby has over their toys. That's how these people have behaved. And when you realize that, you can see that there's a deep heart issue where you appeal to the conscience of that individual. And I think that that's the thing that you must try and see when somebody asks you about things about evolution, especially if they are an enemy of the faith and they're coming against the word of God, is recognize that you're dealing with an eternal soul and to really see deep beneath that person's heart. And I've, I've had this at moments where I've dealt with people of even other religions. I mean, I sat with a man not long ago, and I won't say what religion he was part of, but, but he was a, a top man in the Cape area regarding the propagation of a false religion in our land. And I mean, um, a little hateful individual. But when I was with him, I was able to look him in the eyes and tell him about the peace that I have in Christ and the the forgiveness I've received because of the Lord Jesus. And I was able to say to him, I'm going to pray for you. And I did pray for him. And and to actually, because it cuts through all of the argumentation the and chafe, all of yeah. the, the these things that, you know, he's been so trained in this stuff. He's yeah. had years of experience in uh, fighting against Christians and saying things against Christians. But there's an eternal soul there. And Jesus died for that soul. 
And I think that that's the the heart attitude that we must come at some of these debates with, is there's a heart that needs to be receiving the Lord Jesus. And keep in mind, it is a theory. Rocky, just wanted to ask you one more question on the evolution theory. So not everybody can afford private schools. Not everybody can do home schools. And inevitably, your kids end up in government schools. And we know what the syllabus look like. Kids are trained on 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 evolution theory. Uh, it, it gets hammered into them. We are to train them. We have a responsibility at home to teach our kids the truth. I remember way back when a teacher said to my son as he stood up uh, on the question of where does man come from, the teacher said to him, sit down, I know where your dad works, I know what you believe. It's not important what you believe is what we're teaching you here. What do we answer? Yeah, I, I do think that as maybe we need to admit that much is very broken um, yeah. in regard to often how we raise our children. I, I do believe that we are in a lot of trouble in, in regard to where our schools have gone and what they are teaching. If a school does not believe that the beginning point of wisdom and knowledge is the fear of the Lord, then we have our children being taught in a place that is not actually teaching wisdom and knowledge. We have them in a place where they are taught a, a, a worldly worldview that is contrary to the word of God. And I do think that parents need to take more responsibility in regard to the raising of their children in that regard. Now, I know that many Christian parents will say, oh, but I, I go through the syllabus with my children and yeah. I go and I think we're sitting in a position where we can see the absolute failure of yeah. a more communistic version of what schooling is. Christians have... They are the ones that really started many of the schools we have, the hospitals we have, etc. But it has been so taken over by the evil one that we're sitting in a, a real position of absolute uh, danger. And I think we put our children in those positions sometimes unfairly for them. So having seen that as a parent, let's say your child is in these things, just I think admit the brokenness and then also make a plan to look at how can I combat this as far as even beginning to do homeschooling with my children or being able to, is there a plan that I can have to get mom to be at home as what the scriptures teach, be a worker at home? That's what the Bible says, not what Rocky says, Um, to how moms should be involved with helping the the children and taking responsibility for this. The, The parents, and even if you think about this with Ephesians, when it talks about the dad, the dad is to raise his children up in the fear and the admonition of the will of the Lord. It's partly his job to be one who instructs his children. And so dads need to take the responsibility. And I think that's where the real issue sometimes is, is that dads have learned to be almost passive and to step back and to not take the responsibility that they should take. Mm -hmm. And I think when we admit that brokenness, that's when we're also able to have a humility of heart and we're able to say, Lord, please forgive me for the part that I've played. And I think of Nehemiah again. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he confesses to the Lord his part in his sin for the reason that Jerusalem's walls were broken down at that time. And that's a marvelous passage to go and visit because he wasn't even there 70 years before when the walls got broken down. But he's admitting like my fathers and I have been part of the sin issue, part of this brokenness. And the reason that our kids are being taught nonsense in our schools 
is because we've not stood like we should have stood. Mm. And so, therefore, we are a part of the brokenness that is there. But what plan am I going to make to to do this? Now, I do think it's helpful to equip our children. And there's such good materials. And and that's something I wanted to answer also in regard to the question. There's wonderful apologetic materials that you can go and study. Yes, Mm. answers in Genesis or creation ministries or even gotquestions.com, wonderful resources that we can go to. Now, the resources must never replace the Bible. That would be my caution because even those ministries can get it wrong if they don't stick to what the Scriptures teach. And so there's no replacement for being a part of God's, um, let's say, just going to God's Word. And then the next thing I would say as well is you do want to get your children involved in a good Bible-teaching church where you have a, a community, a body of believers, where you can also help one another and teach one another God's Word and and live in a in a church family where God is the one that is honored and where the beginning point of fear of of knowledge and wisdom is the word of God. Rocky bless your heart. Thank you so much. 0826572729. You've got a question? Send it through to us 0826572729. We received the brilliant question. Rocky, I want to read it slowly because uh, somebody by the name of a faithful servant asked the following question. And it starts like this. It says, if sola scriptura is true, uh, I want to pause there for a reason. If sola scriptura is true, and then it continued to say, and everyone interprets the Bible according to his own understanding then, who has the final say on how scriptures should be interpreted. Doesn't sola scriptura, by its own nature, create false inter- interpretations, lacking unity of belief? Uh, I think this is a brilliant question. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely a, a, a brilliant question. And God is the one that speaks, and he's the one that speaks by the scriptures, and so therefore he must be allowed to say what he means and mean what he says, the difficulty is not with God's ability with communicating. The difficulty lies with us in being the ones that are interpreting what God has said. And so the fault never lies with God and never lies with the Scriptures. So the Lord is not confused. The Lord is not confused. But often we are the ones that that are confused. And I think it's good that you paused when you said, if sola scriptura is true. Because this is the way that this question has even been phrased. There is a presupposition that is that is there that's saying i don't actually believe in sola scriptura at least not in the way that it seems to be at least in the way that this individual is interpreting sola Sola scriptura Scriptura and those that uphold it means by the scriptures alone scriptures alone scriptures alone bible says it i believe it now 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 when we talk about sola scriptura often those that would uphold sola scriptura would also uphold sola fide by faith alone soda gracia by grace alone um, sola dia gloria to the glory of God alone and sola Christos which is by Christ alone yeah. so it's, it, it wouldn't be seen as the only but also with that balance oh. of Christ alone grace alone faith alone and to the glory of God alone and that that's five solas has become uh, it, it really was brought about during the Reformation period in particular 500 years ago and that was something of the battle cry of the Reformation period and in particular the so, sola fides by faith alone um, which at that stage there was much 
there were various sacraments and there were various things that people said, well, you, have to, you get saved by marriage and you get saved by childbearing and you get saved by confession and you get saved by the sacraments and you get saved by uh, confession to, to a priest and you get saved by these seven different areas yeah. um, that you get saved by. And these guys came and said, no, the Bible teaches that you're saved by faith alone. But how can we say that the Bible says this? Well, then we must hold to the Bible alone. With I with the Bible you. alone's definition of yeah. what faith is. Right. But how can we have faith alone if we don't have grace alone? Because we must be saved by grace to be able to understand that it is by faith alone, that it is by the Scriptures alone. But then it's actually not the faith that saved us. It's not the grace that saved us. It's actually Jesus who saved us because that's what the Bible says about Jesus. So yeah. it's Jesus alone. But why would all of this happen? Well, because the Bible says that this is all, this whole world exists for the glory of God alone. So that's how this five solar kind of uh, area came up. But talking about the authority of the Scriptures, the, this idea of sola scriptura really affirms the supreme authority of the scriptures in matters of faith as well as in practice. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen says, "All scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work." So the Bible is the inspired word of God. He has breathed it out, and it serves as the ultimate authority in the life of believers. But that's not really the question. The question is, but what about the interpretation then? How do we actually get to the place where I might say sola scriptura, and Vainant might say sola scriptura, and the pastor down the road may say sola scriptura, but means something different when he comes to the pulpit. And we have enough translations to back that. Yes, and, and so interpretations... And the Holy Spirit are very important as well, because we need to realize that that even though the Bible is inspired, the Holy Spirit also gives illumination, and that means gives light to. So you could have, let's imagine a dark room. I mean, this room hasn't got any windows in it, this room that I'm in now. If the lights suddenly go out, I'm not going to see anything in here. But that doesn't mean that the table's not here, or the microphone in front of me is not here, or the things around me are not here, but I need light to be able to see that they are here. And so then the question becomes, how do I have the light to actually see what the Bible says? Because I can say sola scriptura, but I need the light to see this. And that's where you come back to you must be born again you must believe in the lord jesus christ and be saved from your sin and the fact that jesus died at the cross on your behalf he became sin who knew no sin so that you might receive the righteousness of god and be clothed in jesus righteousness his perfect person his perfect words his perfect character has pleased the father and he died at that cross and he rose again three days later and you've looked to him and you live that's when you're born again and then you receive the holy spirit as the gift from God, and through the Holy Spirit, you're able to then come to God's word and start to understand his word. Because 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says this, But the natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually examined or spiritually discerned, as other passages or other translations would say. So the Holy Spirit given to believers aids believers in understanding and then applying God's word. So you might come to God's word. If you're unbelieved or an unbeliever, you're going to be spiritually discerned. You're not going to understand what you're looking at because you don't have the Holy Spirit enlightening and showing you what the word of God says. Then I would say as well that we don't exist in a vacuum. 
No believer exists in a vacuum. That's what we call the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the church. That is the called out ones. But you are called out from the world and you're called into something. What are you called into? The family of God. You are now adopted as a son, as a daughter. So you are part of a body of believers. And there's a good reason that God draws us into a body of believers. Because there's meant to be accountability. There's meant to be submission within a church, a local church setting, to leaders that are there. That's Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 and Hebrews 13 verse 17. We are to submit ourselves to the elders that God gives us within a congregation. We to recognize that God gives us teachers, that he gives us pastors that he gives us shepherds, that he gives us others. Now, we do know that the Word of God tells us that if we have the Holy Spirit, we actually have no need of any other teacher. Yet God gives us teachers. And those teachers need to be able to stand in the pulpit and say, Thus says the Lord. And each one of us receives different giftedness. And so we exist within a community of believers. And that's an area that we're able to then, as iron sharpens iron, regarding God's word, as I think you mentioned it maybe earlier in this or maybe in the office earlier, you know, where's your sword? Let's help sharpen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we rub up on each other and we're able to take each other to God's word and we're able to then compare with each other. And so I would say as well that if you're suddenly coming with something that actually nobody else has said about the Bible, you've got to be worried because the church has been in existence since Acts chapter 2. And we see ample of that nowadays. Yes, it's been since Acts chapter 2. And be careful as well that if the Holy Spirit says something, he means what he says in, in the word of God. Then you've got to, the job that you have is to go to God's word and understand what does he mean by this. Somebody on this radio station phoned in and said, I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't need God's word. What do you say to that person? Well, that's a different spirit than the word of God, because the word of God teaches us that the word of God is the very breath of the Holy Spirit. So so that is the inspired word of God. And he speaks by his word and he does not lie. And he has told us that he speaks by his word. And if the Holy Spirit that that individual has is actually standing against the holy word of the Holy Spirit, that's a different spirit. Rocky, the word discerning there, if everyone interprets the Bible differently according to his understanding. Somebody once picked up the cell phone and said, look at me. And I was looking at this individual. There was a cell phone in between us as I'm holding mine now. And he says, well, what I'm looking at is totally different than what you're looking at. And yet we are looking at the same cell phone. And he said, what about scripture? Hmm. What if we take a particular scripture? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit can give me this understanding of that particular scripture and to you another understanding? Is that even possible? Um, What what I would say, uh, it's a yarn here because there are times that we can have different facets of that same truth and it's the same truth that we're looking at you know like if you in and and that i've heard the illustration as well that you're driving in the same vehicle and you know what happens in the back seat if your sons are busy arguing and if you now thankfully we haven't done this with levi and simeon but they have had sometimes where they have a bit of arguments in the back seat but we've never said to them okay you look out that window and you look out that window um we just told them to stop and they stop by god's (laughs) kindness to us but um but they might look out that window, one sees stuff going out that window, one sees stuff going out that window, but you're in the same vehicle. Yeah. You know? And I think that there are times like that 
where you can see different facets within the, the yeah. scripture. For example, even when I'm preaching on a, on the Lord's Day, there may be somebody in the congregation that listens attentively to the last 10 minutes of the sermon, and there may be somebody that listened attentively to the first 10 minutes of the sermon and then went into deep prayer or fast asleep after the first 10 minutes, and they only heard the first part, but it was the same sermon. And they, they're hearing different parts of that sermon, and the Lord, in his kindness, is applying different elements to their life. All right. Now, there's multiple applications to God's word, and that's what's, I think, helpful for this discussion. But there's only one meaning to God's word. So to put this into a, a, simple, a simplistic way, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal always means thou, thou shalt, shalt not, not steal. steal yeah. But the applications, okay, yeah, um, we are at Radio Pulpit. We're on Radio Pulpit's time, and Radio Pulpit is paying your salary, and so therefore I need to give to Radio Pulpit the time that they have paid me to work for them, and so therefore I don't rob them of the time, so I'm not stealing. Yeah. Or somebody else is busy filling out their tax forms. Ah, I'm going to be honest on my tax form. I'm therefore not stealing from the tax man. Yeah. There's a different application to that. Now, that happens all the time with God's word. We have multiple different applications in God's word. But there's only one meaning, thou shalt not steal. And if you come with a different meaning, then either you're wrong with that meaning, yeah. or I'm wrong with that meaning, yes. or we're both wrong with that meaning. But, <laughs> but can, God is never wrong. Can we say then, as brothers in Christ, uh, the Bible warns us against getting into arguments, into debates about the Word of God, uh, taking the glory from God's name because we're arguing and fighting about it. Can we say true children of God never fights about the Word of God? They can agree to disagree, but you're, you're not going to fight about it, in, in, especially not in public and on Facebook and on YouTube where the whole world can see it. Yeah, I, I think that... Um Paul, Paul and Peter disagreed at some stage, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think that we will at times, you know, when, when there's something that is just in God's word and is absolutely crystal clear that it's in God's word, yeah. I think that there are times that you have to stand for the faith. There's times that you must be courageous. And I actually touched on this on Sunday night, and that sermon should be up on our Facebook um, page or let's say our YouTube page in the next week or so regarding the the overseer, how he's not to he's not to be contentious. And contentiousness is different from courageousness. And I think that's where the difference comes. If what what you're saying now is absolutely true, if I'm trying to boost myself and yeah. boost my own reputation and boost how knowledgeable I am about this section in God's Word, mm. then we've actually missed the point completely. Yeah. Then we might be right about what we're saying, but doing it absolutely in the wrong way. And I think that's the danger that we can so often fall into as it. individuals. We we want to have a heart for the glory of the Lord. And there are times that we do need to s to say what God's word says. Dig because, your heels in. You know, because, I mean, for example, we go through, I mean, there were, there were times that we went through um, recently, you know, where, where people were taking Hebrews 10 completely out of the way that it was meant to mean. And things like Romans 13, completely out of the way that it was meant to mean. And they were teaching things that Nazi Germany taught about Romans 13. And that's happened in our recent history in our world where they say, no, the Bible doesn't really mean what that means there. Now, I think there's times for a Christian to stand up. And I think depending on the position that you're in as well as a Christian, for example, there's I'm going to be more answerable before the Lord as a pastor for 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 these things than maybe some of one of the members of our congregation. Bible says that, yeah. And but at the same time, what is my sphere of responsibility? My wife, 
my children and the local church that the Lord has given me to to pastor. And so that I must do to his glory. But I do think because of things like Facebook and these other areas, we sometimes get so involved with other areas of influence that actually weren't ours to be involved in in the first place. So we've, got three minutes, we've got three minutes left in this program. How important is it to listen to a program like this, to study the Word of God with a spirit of discernment, to go and search the Scriptures to see if these things are so? Acts mm. 17.11, is that important? No, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, Proverbs 27.17, as we mentioned earlier as well, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what our hope is with Scriftila is to be able to be in a position where we're part of that sharpening area. You know, we like um, you and I are operating like that um, that sharpening stone for knives as our people are listening. And we hope that by God's kindness, he will help us to help you to sharpen the, the blade of God's word and cause you to go and study his word and to be able to have a heart that goes, God said it, he means it. You know, the problem is not with God. The problem so often is with us. And we need to have a humble heart before God where we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I'm not going to go about things my way because the Bible says there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes. Its end is destruction. The fool goes their own way. But I'm going to go God's way. So, Lord, you speak. I'm going to listen to your word. I can't remember that I've asked you ever in this program to close off for us in prayer. Would you do it for us today, sir? Let's do that. Lord, thank you for the time that we could be together. I thank you for each and every listener that is tuned in at this moment or those that will listen to us on podcast later. Thank you for those that are with us on um, YouTube or with Facebook. We thank you, Lord, for each one. And we do pray that you would help us to be a people that stand by your word. So it has been with your church since Acts 2, a people that have been known as the people of the word of God. We pray that we would, if we were cut, be those that bleed the Bible because we love your word and we love you, Lord. And we pray that you also help us to love one another. Even if we have debates with people regarding evolution or regarding God's word or any of these questions that we've looked at today, we do pray that you would be exalted in the way in which we honor you in our lives. You are most majestic and we do thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are a God who speaks, that you don't just leave us alone in this world, but you have spoken. And you have spoken in a most perfect way. And we pray that we would trust you and that we would obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen and amen. Bless you, my brother. If people want to be in touch with you, I know you get lots and lots of emails. uh, But where do we get hold of uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson? That's at pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. And I do try and get back to those that, that email me. And apologies if we don't get sometimes to some of your questions. We just um, we do thank the Lord and we pray that he would lead us even in these programs. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. It's always such a privilege. Uh, young Levi, the young man sitting next to his dad. Thank you, son. Isn't he wonderful? Uh, all quiet. He says, Dad, I'm training to sit uh, still in church as well. But what a wonderful young man. And Simeon as well. And well, regards to uh, Maxine at home and with uh, the pregnancy. Thank you. Have a safe journey home, my brother. And as always, it's such a privilege to be with you in studio. Thanks, Fernand. Till next time. Keep well. God bless. Shalom. Thank you so much for listening to this program. And don't forget, there's a huge responsibility with uh, listening to a program such as this. Because you have to go home now and search the scriptures. Make sure that these things are indeed so. Acts 17 and 11. 
Thank you so much from our hearts for choosing Scripture or Radio Pulpit to, to listen to. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. And to play out with Martelis, go and sin no more.